It's either the worst day or the best day to be here. Because we get a chance to say, what is it that we believe God wants us to do in this building at 70th and 100? John tells that story as well as it can be told, I think. He is actually coming here in January. We're looking forward to it tremendously. But the idea is that we wanted to talk about what kind of church are we, the church, becoming? I want to connect us to that first church back in Acts. I want to connect you in your everyday life to what happens here. And it all begins when you come here. Church begins when you gather the community together. It says in the book, Every day they met in the temple. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and regularly they gathered together. We call that worship. Probably that's the wrong word. You should worship all the time. But when we gather the community together, we call that worship, and we hope that special things will happen. Things like a baptism. Uh, Last night we baptized a little one, and there was a friend of mine sitting right over there, uh, he's not here, so I can embarrass him by name. His name is Matt. Matt and I didn't meet at church. We met playing basketball, and uh, he, he was so excited when he had a new little baby, and he showed me the picture, and he's j- I can tell what is going to come next. So I cut him off. I said, Matt, I love this baby, Caitlin. I love her. You're not going to ask me to baptize her, are you? You don't want me to baptize her when you're not coming to church, do you? And he was like, well, no, of course not. What gave you that idea? <laughs> And uh, what made her baptism so special was she was baptized, and her little sister was baptized, and her dad, Matt, was baptized at the same time. It was a special day. And ever since then, most weeks that he's in town, not every week, but most weeks that he's in town, for the last 12 years or so, Matt has come here to gather for worship. I wonder if it's done any good. I wonder if he would say that coming to worship has changed his life. One of the goals of gathering together like this is that a skeptical world would get to come in the door and see what happens here. It's the most common first step that people take. They come to church once, but they'll only come back or it will only matter if something extraordinary is happening. So what I'd like to do this morning is to change your view of why, whether you are 10 or 90, you should come to the gathering. How it could change your life. Take out those uh, little cards, will you? And uh, right, on the, right on the top, just across the top, write this little phrase. Worship, portal, world. Worship portal world. Just write those three words. What that will remind you is that I told you that worship is meant to be a portal, an open door, an open window. Worship is meant to be a portal to another world. You come here to get a picture or to walk through a door into another world. Write that at the top of the card on the long way across. I believe... I believe, it's sort of like, anybody remember that old movie, The Matrix? 
There's another world happening at the same time, and all of a sudden, Neo can see that world. I think that's what worship is supposed to be. You're supposed to see that there's another world going on that you're oblivious to most of the time. And a lot of people come right to the edge of the portal, and they say, no, I think I'd rather just go to worship. I think I'd rather just go to church. So I want to ask you, are you ever going through the portal? Are you changing because you come to the gathering? I want you to write down on this card ten words. Ten words. So you, you'll go down the long way, right? Just You're going to write down ten words. Uh, no, you don't get to make up the words. I'll tell you what the words are. Uh, in politics, they talk about the ten-word answer, right? Everybody knows the ten-word answer in politics is that one zinger you get that changes everything. Because this is all anybody remembers. Young man, I... I knew Jack Kennedy, and I like Jack Kennedy, and trust me, you're not Jack Kennedy. People remember that. People remember a president saying at the Berlin Wall, Ich bin ein Berliner. All free men are citizens of Berlin. A ten-word answer changes things. Sometimes it changes things bad. Read my lips. No new taxes. And when you have to go back on that, it changes everything. But usually, the 10-word answer lets you see things differently. Another president stands at the Berlin Wall and says, Mr. Khrushchev, tear down this wall. And the wall comes down. I want to give you 10 words that can change you. They're not sexy or flashy, but I think they can change you. What happens as we gather here together. We have a chance to be changed. What does it feel like to come to worship? Let me give you a picture of what I think most of you feel most of the time when you come to worship. You look a lot like this. The great theologian of the 20th century, Homer Simpson, struggling to find the right answer to pass the test. And you come here. But it ties to the first word about worship Homer is saying, really, should I come again? I'm not a bad guy. I work hard. I love my kids. Why should I spend half of my Sunday hearing about how I'm going to hell? That's the first way that coming to worship changes your life. It is inconvenient. Worship will change your life because it's inconvenient. It is the discipline of inconvenience, going to a place that I don't choose at a time that we didn't choose for a purpose that we do choose. Are you letting yourself be inconvenienced by coming to God's gathering? Or is the gathering the first thing in your life that gets dropped? I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty about anything. We're busy people. But I know that we make time for the most important things. I need to ask you, are you regularly being inconvenienced? The second word is uh, association. Association. Association means that you gather in a church differently than you do the rest of your week. Association means I meet with some people that I like. I meet with other people I don't like. I meet with a lot of people I don't know for a purpose that I believe in. 
I believe that God wants to change your life by bringing you into the gathering and changing your associations. And some of you, some of you have just come to the edge of the portal and said, no, I think I'm going to sit in the back pew for the next six years and take notes. Where is the last time that you have developed a new relationship in the gathering? Or are you just sitting in the pews? Now, I got to tell you, here's part of the problem for the church. When we ask people to come to Christ, they come. When we ask people to come to church, they come, and then what are we going to do with them? C.S. Lewis talks about this. He became a convert to Christianity, and his book, The Screwtape Letters, talks about what it was like to come, not to Christianity, but to come to church. The senior devil reassures the junior that all is not lost just because somebody's become a Christian. He says this, one of the devil's great allies at present is the church itself. Don't misunderstand me. I I don't mean the church the way demons see her, the way we see her, spread out through all time and space, rooted in heaven, terrible as an army. That's a spectacle that can make the boldest tempter uneasy. But fortunately, that's totally invisible to human beings. They don't see that at all. When your patient thinks of the church, all they see is that building on the corner. And when he goes inside... He sees the local grocer with a rather oily expression on his face, bustling up with a book that neither one of them really understands. And when he gets to his pew and he looks around, he sees just that group of neighbors that he has avoided a lot. When he gets to the pew and looks around, he sees that same group of neighbors that he's been avoiding. You want to lean pretty heavily. The devil says, you want to lean pretty heavily on that picture of those neighbors. Will you associate with people that you like and people that you don't like and people that you don't know so that God can change your life? The third word, the third way that I believe the gathering changes us is a word ritual. Ritual means gathering when we feel like it, gathering when we don't feel like it, and finding meaning in doing the same things over and over. Finding meaning and doing the same things over and over. Are you finding meaning in ritual or are you just doing the same things over and over? You know, it's like somebody's been teaching first grade for 20 years and the other person has been teaching the same class again and they haven't learned anything. I think, I think ritual can remind us. Ritual is about remembering things you've forgotten. Ritual is about learning. And I think... Coming into the community means we do the same thing again and again. So sometimes you remember, oh, I forgot that. And sometimes you learn. Now, I grew up a very faithful churchgoer. I went to church uh, every Christmas and almost every Easter. And uh, so I knew what happened. You know, in my church, the ritual was you come up for communion and you just go right out the back door. You don't wait for the end of the service. You just go right out for the donuts. But when I started coming to church for real to see if God was in the house, I began to learn new songs. One of the songs that I learned was, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's an old hymn, great old hymn. And the start of the second verse says, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hitherto thy help I'm bound. 
And I sang that with gusto for years. And finally, I turned to the person next to me. I goes, what does that mean? Here I raised my Ebenezer, and they didn't know either. We were just singing the words. It was a ritual, a rut. But you know what an Ebenezer is? An Ebenezer is a pile of rocks that the Israelites would pull together that would mark the place where God did something unusual. And they'd called it an Ebenezer stone. And when they'd walk by, their grandson would say, Grandpa, what's that? And they'd say, oh, that's where God parted the Red Sea. What's that pile of rocks? Oh, that's where God made the walls fall down. Here I raise my Ebenezer. It's a reminder to look for the places where God was faithful and to remember. Oh, I get it. Sometimes you remember and sometimes you learn. The power of ritual. Brian McLaren, when he gave this lecture, said that what happens as you gather sets the tone for everything that will happen next. Are you coming to be inconvenienced? Will you associate with the people you meet here And will you make the ritual matter? But what happens while we're in the room, while the service is going on, that can change your life too. And the first thing that happens, write down the word speed. Speed. What happens when we come to the gathering is that God wants to change our speed. Altering our pace to see what we've been missing. Altering our pace because slowing down is the only way to see what we've been missing. To feel a different rhythm in our week. Someone has written that uh, hurry is the curse of the modern age. If you don't know why you're not hearing God, it's because you're going too fast. And when we come here, we have to slow down. Hurry is the worst thing for your soul. That's why I got to tell you, it always is a little fun to me when I see, the, the young ones can't help it. You know, after about 17 minutes, they're fidgeting. They've written on every part of the Bible they can get their hands on. They've written on your arms. They're doing everything. And you see that. They haven't learned to live at this speed yet. I love it when I see one of you fall asleep. I, I, really. I used to take it personally. I do take it personally still. Don't fall asleep. But sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. I believe you need to change your speed. You can only hear things when you slow down. What happens while we gather here is we change our speed and we learn another word. Write down the word attentiveness. Attentiveness. Your body can be here and your mind somewhere else. Coming into the gathering means that my mind is here and my body is here and I am waiting for God to say something. I am waiting. It is the spiritual discipline of waiting for what I may receive only by waiting. We're so used to the drive through We're so used to the microwave. We're so used to the Google that we don't see that much of the time in our lives the most important thing comes only as we wait. Waiting for the thing I can receive only by waiting. The other part of that, by the way, is do you expect when you come here to hear something that will change your life? Or are you just coming to check off the box? If you don't come expecting to hear something that will change your life, trust me, you won't hear anything that will change your life. 
But if you come attentively, God can surprise you. Here's another way I think that gathering here can change you as an individual and can change us as a community. After you become attentive, the next thing I believe that happens is you see models. One of the things that happens when we gather together is we see people doing the life of faith in ways different than us that we can learn from. We expose people who are apprentices in faith to people who are masters in the faith. One of the reasons we asked Debbie Manning to pray here is because when, she, when Debbie prays for people, half the time I want to be going, well, yes, Lord, you know what she said. Yeah, yeah, that too. I, that's what I was going to say, only not as well. Debbie prays, and I feel like God listens. I want to learn how to pray like that. Sometimes the pastor will preach and open the Bible, and you will look at that verse in the Bible. You go, I've been here for 40 years. I've never seen that verse in my whole life. But you will learn how to read because somebody models it for you. One of the most important things that happens when we gather the community together in this idea of modeling is you see you. You see you. You see a retired person come up here or up on the video and they say, you know, I just thought that it was all over when I lost my job for the last time, but this is the best season of my life in my faith. You have somebody who shares with you how they struggle with the same things you struggle with. They model what it's like. So the question in modeling is, what's the last thing that you learned from prayer or singing, a sermon or a testimony that has made you more forgiving, more generous, more risk-taking, more content? I think the last thing that I'd point to that happens while we are gathered together is a term that I made up. It's the word Catholicity. When we, did, when we did the Apostles' Creed, remember, we confess and we believe in one holy and Catholic church. Catholicity means that when I come to the gathering, I grow my world. I hear quotes. I hear us praying for other churches. I hear the affirmation of people on the path of faith. And I am brought together with people who are very different than I am. My heart and my mind get bigger It's uncomfortable. So I guess the test there, is your faith more Catholic than it used to be with the small c? Do you see more of what God is doing in the world? Or is your world shrinking so I know what I know, don't bother me, I know what I know. What happens as we gather is, uh, is that we come to believe that there is a ritual that changes us. There is an association with others that can change us. There is inconvenience that shapes us. What happens while we're here is that our speed changes, and we pay attention to new things, and we see people model life of faith, and our world gets bigger because it becomes more Catholic. Can I just tell you that I think the church only matters at 70th of 100 when you come here, when we gather here, if what happens here changes what happens out there. And I believe that God wants that to happen. I believe that's what happened in the first church. I believe that when people came into those gatherings, they learned the power of hospitality. Hospitality. How hospitable are you? 
Hospitality means using my presence in our space. In other words, if you've been here four or five times, this feels like your space. Using my presence in our space to help the other feel welcomed, feel invited, feel valued. And it doesn't just mean inviting somebody to church. It means being hospitable to the other, whether that is my cube mate or my neighbor, the person in front of me in line. Hospitality means using my presence in this space to help the other feel welcomed. So let me just ask you this. Are you just coming to church or is this a place where you learn hospitality? Who have you invited in the last year or so? Uh, More than that, I don't want to make you feel guilty. If you are learning about hospitality, who have you greeted here that you don't already know? I had one of those terrible moments that a pastor has when a woman comes up and says, I'm going to join your church anyway. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I'm going to join your church anyway because you keep talking about being friendly. I've been here 10 weeks. Nobody said boo to me. I said, why would you expect somebody to say boo to you? (laughs) What she meant was she felt invisible. Are we practicing the presence of God in hospitality? I believe when God's people are brought together, generosity, generosity is a mark. People who come to the gathering over and over and go through the portal, remember, it's not just coming into the building, it's going through the portal to see that other world. They become people who have greater pleasure in being generative, that is, fruitful, than they do in being consumptive. They are people who become more generous and productive instead of taking. Some of them actually learn that this might be true, that Jesus says it is more blessed to give than to receive, and they've tried it. And it's not always about money. It could be about serving in the second grade choir or saying yes to that meeting on the other side of town. But we are becoming more generous people because we are brought together. I love this line. People who learn the spiritual discipline of generosity have realized that giving is an insult to American greed. Giving is an insult to American greed. So I guess I would ask you, are you becoming a more generous person by coming to this place? Are you gaining enough control over your wallet and your day timer? Or is the evil one tricking you? Are you moving toward the tithe or are you still tipping? Are you becoming an open heart? I think that what happens because we gather here changes us only if it changes the community we live in. The last word I'd have you to write down is the word shalom. Can you write down the word shalom? It actually is on the screen. I think it's going to be justice and mercy. Just the word for justice and mercy in the Bible is shalom. If you come here over and over, I believe God wants to form in you a hunger for justice and for mercy out there. The upper room, our 20-something service, used to say, let what we do in here fill the streets out there. 
If you come here, do you get more indignant about injustice, small or big? And does it ever lead to action? Who cares if you feel bad? Do you ever do anything about it? It could be something tiny. It could be a postcard to your congressperson. It could be walking the street at night, see whose lights are out. Do you feel through the preaching and the singing and the praying here that what we do in here might fill the streets out there? Can I tell you, I think this last, this number 10, justice and mercy, is the only way that the American church will thrive in the next 30 years. Right now, people look at the American church and they say, that's a bunch of people who are against a lot of stuff. They are angry about a lot of stuff. Wouldn't you like to change the dial so that when people look at what happens at 70th and 100, oh, those are the guys that gave a million dollars to the poor in the inner city. They're part of that against the slave trade movement. They have been reaching out to kids with disabilities. Let's go to a church like that. Because justice and mercy are important there. So here, here's what I'd like you to do. If you have uh, written down any of these words, I'd like you to take just a second to, to look at them. And, um, and be reminded of this. The church has always been ugly. The church has always been ugly. Archbishop Carey said, the church is always only one generation away from extinction. Because a lot of people just come to church, they don't go through the portal. But when they do, when they do, not only do their lives change, but the church itself changes. Laura and I went to Israel several years ago, and we were in Bethlehem. And a Jew from an illegal Jewish settlement came up and he was giving us a lecture about why it was okay to take the Arab's land and tough luck. And at the end, I'm just trying to make conversation with him. And he goes, you're a Christian, right? I said, yes, I am. And, and, and he said, this is terrible. And I didn't know what he meant. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, the, the Christians are leaving the Holy Land right and left. And he said, he, he said we need you in the Holy Land Because neither we Jews nor those Arabs know how to forgive anybody. And the flight of the church means the walls will stay up. Oh, that it were true. What would happen if the people gathering in this place saw God change the world again? Look at those words. Take just a minute. I'll give you just a minute here. And what I'd like you to do is to look at the one that you feel as you are engaged in gathering, you feel the best about. Put a big star next to that one. And then if you're honest with yourself, maybe there are one or two of those words that you should circle so that the next time you come to church... You're not just coming to church. The Spirit will do the rest. Take just a minute.
Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you said that um, you said that your church would prevail against the gates of hell. We can't even prevail against NFL football. But I believe that a God who would come for us in the flesh and show us how to love and die for us is worth coming to hear about. And I ask you for all these folks, the one who came for the baptism and the one who came for a change of pace and the one who never misses, I ask you to gather us again in ways that you will speak to our hearts and change our eternities so that we'll be a blessing to all around us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.